to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders and how to support business performance through people performance. It's not often you find learning tech built on the blockchain, and BitDegree is one of those. It was a wide and ranging conversation with Dan, BitDegree's co-founder and CEO from Lithuania. BitDegree is built on emerging technology, blockchain, the same technology that cryptocurrency is built on. It's the best example of baked in gamification I've ever seen. With a focus of upskilling masses of people in technology and other skills, they've come a long way in their three short years. Previously, Dan spent 10 years in management, consulting at Civita, Europe's emerging leading consultancy, covering 15 countries with over 350 consultants, where he served as a partner and board member, developing the startups and innovation stream. He's won many entrepreneur awards since completing his Bachelor of Science in Economics and Business, from Stockholm School of Economics. Be prepared to see the future of learning tech that transforms lives. Okay, so Dan, welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast all the way from Lithuania. Thank you for joining us so early in the morning. Thank you for inviting me. I think it will be an interesting conversation um, because we are world apart. <laughs> Top end of the world to the bottom end of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I came across BitDegree and you're the CEO and founder of that or co-founder of, of BitDegree mm-hmm. when I was doing my Masters of Future Technologies and I was what I was searching for was learning management systems on the blockchain and yours was one of the very few that I actually came across because I think there's the emerging tech of blockchain is is pretty interesting in terms of learning management and, and what we can do with a distributed and decentralized tracking system. And uh, in fact, my cohort will tell you that I had decided I wanted to be Miss Blockchain New Zealand. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that hasn't transpired. Um, I'm doing something else for that now. So, and with the series, which is about Is the LMS Dead? I actually asked, have asked all of our other speakers the same six questions and said, and I actually asked them at the end to explain what their product was and what it does. But I think it's what you've got is quite different to what we're used to down in sort of, you know, the southern part, southern hemisphere and this part of the world. It would be really good to get just an overview of what BitDegree is and why it's different to the usual LMS. And I'll, I'll sort of probably pipe in along the way as well. I'll try to do my best to explain it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So BitDegree is actually an ecosystem of solutions. Uh, maybe that's that's why it's different. Instead of thinking about it just as a learning management system, we are thinking about the potentially three parties that are involved, the educators, the learners, and the employers. And in our opinion, you know, most of the systems only focus on two of those. Mm-hmm. But if you add a third one, then you can have entirely new operational and business models that have not been successfully implemented yet. And why they haven't been implemented? Because it adds another degree of complexity. And now we are facing that complexity ourselves. Essentially, it's like a flywheel. If any part of this triangle starts Mm -hmm. working, then all the other parts start working. But uh, three and a half years into the degree, we see that it's, it's not an easy challenge to tackle. But on all parts of that triangle, we have had successes. So I think that's why we are different. And if uh, talking about blockchain, the only way you can make the system large is by using some technology like blockchains 
so that you would not need to identify third parties and allow them to create new ways of interacting with each other on the blockchain. But uh, as I have mentioned, you know, first of all, some part of that has to become really big so that we could have a force to lure people or, you know, those parties into the flywheel, into the ecosystem, and it would start spinning. Yes. And this is where we, we saw quite some difficulty. Yes. So just on that, was it bringing the employer in? Was that the difficulty? Is that the part of the flywheel? You said that bringing in the third party was difficult. What made that difficult? So because we are primarily B2C solution and only now we are entering the B2B world because we understood that the tech we built is great and uh, we get requests from different SMEs and corporates and we decided just and to me. give it to them. <laughs> yes, and you. <laughs> from a traditional LMS point of view, Bitdegree is the way that's been built with its gamification in it is amazing. Love it, love it. Yeah, so it, sh- it totally, sh- totally should be a corporate LMS. <laughs> you know, internally we have a um, dispute, whether it's an LMS or LXP, or is it an LXP with an LMS? Or or uh, SaaS LMS. So I, I guess here you could help us to define it. Well, interestingly, I wrote an article on, an, on LinkedIn just recently about the acronyms that get thrown around, and it just confuses everybody. And my take on it on, on the article was that an LXP really is just, it was a marketing term for traditional LMSs to differentiate themselves. So what seems to be emerging now is really around that intelligent learning system or intelligent learning platform. And then more recently, and this is where my master's project sort of morphed and into something else, which is actually how do you create a learning ecosystem which is the second word you said, you're creating an ecosystem of solutions. And I think it's really, especially post-COVID, it's just, it's going to be about ecosystems and connecting them all together. So yeah, don't even talk about Alex, peace. <laughs> I actually remember it during the night, probably I was stressed about this interview or something. <laughs> uh, I was after feeding my baby boy in the night, you know, I couldn't fall asleep. So I started thinking about this entire thing actually about this particular problem of naming our platform. And then understanding came to me that actually we have to make it simple for the end user, you know, what it is. And it's hard for me to navigate LMSs and LXPs. So we just have to keep it simple. And that B2B solution that we are now launching, basically what we enable is to, it's a platform for anyone to host their courses online. As simple as that. You don't have to install your own LMS. You don't have to use an LXP that somehow gets another data sources. If you want to create a course and host it somewhere, not on your own servers, not in your own WordPress site or whatever, there's no convenient solution. And actually we have it. We even had it free of charge for for a while. Maybe we should go that route (laughs) and keep it free and then go with the freemium model. So that was my thoughts from the night. Ah, that's really interesting. I think you make a good point is about naming it for the end user because at the end of the day, that is your user. But then I guess you need to think about it also from a, and this is going slightly off tack, but like from a who's paying the money. So, you know, are the 
end user learners paying the money or is it going to be the people that are putting their content up paying the money? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is interesting from a business and, model. And here's a question to you. If, for example, let's say there is an SME, a small and medium enterprise, and they want to teach their employees some about their own company or some, you know, do some onboarding, or they want to teach their clients like one or two courses, just some competence that they have developed. So what solutions can they use? You know, what what is the easiest way to host those courses and create this learning experience? And in my opinion, all those YouTubes and Vimeos, they do not have the features of assessing the learning process or outcomes. And other platforms are just too heavy to do that. So quite a few SMEs just started using a bidegree platform as a way to store their courses and get that uh, learning experience to their clients or employees and also having some basic analytics. So it's a very lightweight solution. There's almost no commitment to it and it's very practical. So that's how we see the you know, marketing angle right now for those um, SMEs. Yeah, and that's right because generally, even like the platforms that we know of, and I spent you know quite a bit of time over the last three or four years going around the world, like looking at you know what the latest tech. Generally, people would be pay, like even SMEs for like a as you say like a basic light LMS, you'd be paying at least five, seven, ten grand a year just for X number of users, and that's usually around a hundred users. So I don't really know. Thinkific would be the probably the one. It's $99 US a month, unlimited users, B2C. So that's probably one. But when I look at what you've got, and, and you might want to talk a bit about how you've gamified the actual platform, because obviously there's, mm-hmm. I, I talk about in terms, especially for subject, for, sorry, for SMEs, for small, medium businesses, you know, you need a bookcase and then you need your content. So your bit degree platforms, the bookcase, and then they put their content on it. Now, the way you've gamified the platform is like nothing I've seen. There's probably one other I've seen, but it's it's more of a corporate enterprise type product and pricing. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how you've actually gamified the platform? Because it's brilliant. Okay. So basically, two years ago or a bit more, we started a research project on how to increase motivation of learning so that we would see higher completion rates. And in that project, we have outlined a number of initiatives that could potentially help to increase that motivation, you know, uh, such as collaborative learning and, of course, uh, gamification. And gamification, you know, you can have user-level gamification. So, you know, you're alone that is seeing those gamification scenarios or group-level gamification where you're kind of competing with others, you see leaderboard, etc. And um, we started working with uh, the world's leading gamification designers, the Octalysis group, mm-hmm. in order to create this experience. And together with them, we also chose kind of uh, the, the narrative for the platform. So there's a story be- behind yes. <laughs> the platform that it's a bit-degree city, it's been lost, and there's this uh, cyberpunk theme going on, appealing a bit more to a younger audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in general, it was quite fun, you know. I'm 52, and the the gamification I love, so I think it could just be probably anyone. (laughs) 
I just thought that maybe we need to tone it down a bit. Um, uh, I haven't been in there for probably a year or less than a year. So unless it's changed significantly, I thought it was fine. Now we just keep on adding features there. Yeah. So the user experience starts with a test that mm-hmm. is actually similar to Briggs Meyer or actually open Jungian scales. So there's a scientific, you know, okay. uh, yeah. background behind it that helps us to determine the person's learning styles. Well, actually, people are saying that there are no learning styles. There are just personality <laughs> the types. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, we try to categorize people into one out of eight categories. And based on those categories, we suggest courses that might be of interest and we create you know the personal profile that helps to navigate this bigger city let's say world learning world mm-hmm. and um, different characters feature different interests so for example one character called daredevil would have interest in marketing others in let's say hard tech and um, this more or less corresponds to those personality types. And uh, we just give a first course for free so that people could start learning that course. Mm. And uh, then users basically collect experience points by learning, raise their level, unlock different loot boxes where we can get um, you know, free course or some kind of different rewards. And many more things are happening that are more usual to games and to online games than to you know uh, learning management uh, systems so and i think i think that's the thing because traditional learning management systems and and pretty much everyone i've seen they as far as they go will be if you in the back end you go if they complete this course give them two points if they do this give them x points it's just badges and leaderboards obviously you can gamify the content itself but nothing there's been no platform as I say that you've actually and it sounds like you've had the top gamification people globally and actually you've really looked at sort of game theory to actually build that which is awesome in terms of because when I when I first sort of came across bit degrees of six 12 months ago seemed to be a very heavy focus on teaching emerging tech but what you're saying now is you're actually looking at there's actually more like a broader range of content and possibly the option to go B2B. So actually, or as you say, a small business that actually just wants to put their own content up. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? So actually anyone who wants can create a course on Bidigli and any user can start creating courses. So we have any user is an instructor as well in our understanding. They can actually start selling the course as well. So, you know, we do not limit users to being users. Anyone can be anyone. This way, we had some users creating courses and getting a massive following, basically their own community coming to learn those courses. We have some ideas in mind how, how we can make the gamification even better. Right now we have, you know, this Bidigri city that is a visual representation of a learning map, you know, all the content that you can learn. We were thinking that uh, we would launch separate islands that would be specific to those instructors. So for example, I create five courses and I have my own island in, in space. <laughs> and there, you know, my users can unlock that island, but they can also hop on Bidigri Island and uh, in Bidigri City and unlock those courses. 
So that is one way of gamify it. This, to be honest, sounds like uh, the my daughter's fourteen and she plays Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's like the same theory, right? <laughs> yeah, basically, we are we are thinking a lot of inspiration from games and applying to the learning platform. But beneath that, um, I have not mentioned yet that we are doing some hard science about what works and what doesn't. So all of those gamification features we have actually researched. So right now we have this platform level gamification where we have course as a you know standalone unit and we do not look into the course. We look more of you know how the experience is gamified across courses, you know. Yes. So motivating people to finish the course but not motivating inside the course that much and i think that's a key point because most people in my world would think that gamification would happen in the content not across the platform because all they can do is give points and leaderboards it seems like the same thing but it's totally not right so we actually have experience points and, uh, and leaderboard and even tracking how much time was spent all those by the way leaderboard does work <laughs> so from, from our experience, it does work. It does or doesn't? It does. It does. Oh, yeah, it does. I agree. But um, it does only for some people because others just don't care about the leaderboard. But we have some hardcore users that are on top of leaderboard and, you know, the amount of learning that they have uh, spent, you know, is tremendous. You know, mm. they want to be the first. <laughs> so that, that that's fun to watch everyone else is like you know somewhere in the middle you know maybe it motivates them to some extent some others don't care and mm-hmm. we also have implemented you know social following features so that you can have your friends and follow them and you, you can compare against them so i think that doesn't work on a global level but it would work on a you know sme or basically b2b level when you have your own colleagues and you can compare against them i think that that would really work so platform level gamification more or less done from the degree side you can always improve it more but now we are diving deeper into course level gamification before we move on to that i just I just want one more to say one more thing because i think you've triggered something there for me was was that if you do go down the island route you could almost do like a community of practice island so for example me i like i'm interested in i don't know upcycling furniture now i want to go and learn about that so on that island is all these people about upcycling furniture or learning design or data analytics and you can mm-hmm. actually have your own so there'd be a community of practices which corporates just tend to talk about but then they could have a leaderboard within that mm-hmm. island slash community of practice so yeah sorry carry on i'll just yeah that's an excellent idea and um, you know, there's a challenge of building a community online. There's a huge challenge. And primarily, it's an economic challenge, mm-hmm. to be honest. Because someone who puts out their excellent content must be compensated for that. And therefore, we have chicken and egg question. But right now, I, we get most of our content uh, through a marketplace that anyone can submit their courses. But, you know, can we promise them, you know, huge sales that basically, you know, create a course for Bidegri or place your course on Bidegri and you will get lots of money from our B2C marketplace? No, mm-hmm. we, we can't do that. It's, it's the same as with Udemy that has probably 150,000 courses and only the 
top ranking instructors earn a decent amount of money, everyone else can actually survive. And it's just additional income, but it's insignificant. Mm. And our challenge was to get high quality content and make it commercially viable for this content to survive. So with 1 million users right now at BitDegree, it's still not possible to invite anyone and say that, oh, create content on BitDegree and then you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, we need a much larger audience and I do not know how much larger, potentially 20, 30 million users so that this would become feasible. And then we are talking about, you know, giving exclusivity rights to the content. So for the last a year at least, we are looking how to increase the quality of content. And this largely entails having more leverage on instructors. And we are considering even partnering with some, maybe paying salaries to those instructors so that they would create content. And we also launched our own content production house. And we are actually launching on Black Friday it's already a pre-launch stage uh, in, mm -hmm. in BitDegree and AWS Academy, where we have created the highest possible quality online course on AWS. Right now, it's, it's the first foundational level practitioner, but we will be creating the entire academy. And if we can prove that this model is commercially viable, then we can attract other experts and make them believe that they can be commercially successful on the degree and then they can create those islands that will be awesome because the content will be always updated and it will be of, of highest quality because great course differs from thousands of good courses you know people yeah. want to have a great course not a good course good course yeah. means nothing <laughs> <laughs> so that was a long explanation about content <laughs> and maybe now let's go into course level and what we are doing with course level so yeah. on that you know i'll have a off podcast conversation because i've got a whole lot yeah. of ideas that can help with that so yes let's do that I was just thinking, rather than jumping into more course content, be really keen to know why you built it on the blockchain and explaining the whole give back where you've had the scholarships. I love the scholarships aspect of that. Mm -hmm. So explain those two things. That would be really totally awesome. Okay. So basically how how Bidigri came to be is some of my friends, you know, all friends came together and decided, let's do something. It was similar to that. My background is in uh, startup consulting and startup ecosystems. So for the last 10 years, I was working with more than 300 startups and launched maybe 10 or more startup support programs or accelerators in Europe and Silicon Valley and elsewhere. And uh, some of my other friends that came to Bidigree, they had a um, online hosting provider with 30 million users. And they have noticed that their free uh, web hosting service is mainly used by people who want to learn. So they would go there to create the first website, the first e-shop, and they did not want to pay for that. And we were thinking, you know, what if we could create something for, for that audience? Because it seemed really viable. They have done some pilots with that community. And it was life-changing for many people. Do you have an example? Like, was that because are they people from emerging economies? And what yeah. do you have any stories? Yeah, mostly people going for the free service are people from the emerging economies, mm -hmm. um, Indonesia, Pakistan, Nigeria, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. And they cannot afford the usual. Not even ten dollars a yeah. month or ten dollars for a course. 
And here I can tell you some stories from the degree scholarships uh, because we got, I think, over 5,000 scholarship requests and, the, and those uh, scholarships are tied to our online courses. So the person mm -hmm. visiting the degree platform can request a course through a scholarship. Yes. Mm -hmm. And 5,000 people submitted their, you know, heartbreaking stories about how they cannot afford those courses. And those applications came from everywhere. You know, we, we have quite a few from US and, and Europe, not only from India and Pakistan. But for example, there was a girl from Pakistan that wanted to learn a graphic design course. And we have funded her scholarship and she completed the course and got a job at a local web design agency creating logos. You know, that's a success story. You know, she learned one skill. And it was enough for her to, you know, get an employment. Mm -hmm. So we were very happy about that. And we have many more stories like that, like Amnas. We believe that uh, with those B-degree scholarships, we created something like Kiva, but for education. No, people are asking for money for education. And it's not about, you know, you know $100,000 to attend an Ivy League college. It's about, you know, $10 or $20 to learn a valuable skill. Mm. So it's a completely different level. But here we have faced the problem of finding donors. Yes. Uh, you know, it's another challenge. Technologically, we have a solution, but we are lacking know-how, how to attract donors. So that's just one of the, uh, let's say, products that we have in this ecosystem that is working but it's it's not working properly because we lack one component of that. And as Bitdegree's ecosystem grows, everything would grow. That's um, right. Yeah, so more users, more people, more teachers, mm -hmm. more make yeah. a difference in the world. That's awesome. And there's a way to connect that. Basically, when, when we started with Bitdegree, we have analyzed the market, we have analyzed the technologies and understood that education can be entirely uh, free of charge. Mm -hmm. That was the big breakthrough. Because especially if you look at the digital skills, there's such a huge demand for talent that instead of paying for recruiters, employers can educate a number of people more than they need uh, with the same budget. No, because if you're hiring a digital talent, usually recruiters charge 10 to 30% of their annual salary. Mm. For that amount, we can educate hundreds of people if looking internationally, or we can educate at least 10 if those employers want it locally. And we can do a targeted campaign that, for example, in Auckland, we uh, have 10 scholarships to learn graphic design. And it's funded by that company and scholarship recipient agrees to have, let's say, to consider employment or to have personal details given to the employer who funded the scholarship. And it's a win-win, you know, a learner gets, gets the course, uh, gets to learn the skill and has a potential employment opportunity. And even if nine out of 10 don't get the job, they have a skill and they can get the job elsewhere. And the employer has created more social good in our understanding than just spending money on a recruiter. It's, right. it's not about search and selection. It's about creating that talent. So it's another product that we have. We call it Talent Acquisition Platform. 
I always get oh. it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Talent attraction pipeline, <laughs> talent yeah. sourcing pipeline. <laughs> Somehow I, I cannot, you know, <laughs> get the correct. Uh, it sounds like you're a typical CEO. You've got a team doing all sorts of cool <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like yes, that. they're making fun of me for that. <laughs> so that product we have also tested and we have launched campaigns on a local level. So, for example, we have hired customer support people for um, a local uh, web hosting provider. And we have turned on a campaign on Friday. It was like social media ads, you know, learn that course and get a job. And we also tested, we will pay you 20 euros if you complete this course and you might get a job. You know, we tested all of that. And we have launched a campaign on Friday. On Monday, one person was hired because somebody saw the ad, took the course, and the course was short because in customer support, it's more about profiling and the right values rather than, you know, teaching, you know, 100 hours of how to do something. Um, And uh, the person was hired. So mm. we have proven that that model works. And again, it integrates into the core platform. We just need to have high quality courses that can be attached to these tools like sourcing tools or scholarship tools. And mm-hmm. then the ecosystem starts working. And if you want to do it on a really global scale, then you cannot have a central point of control or vulnerability from the system's standpoint. You have to make it decentralized so that people on their own can decide how to interact with each other. And we would not need to babysit them, but there would be protocols of how we can interact. So that's why we need blockchain. And we we have built a platform on blockchain, but we have not implemented it widely because blockchain is still... Emerging. Still confusing for yeah, emerging. emerging and confusing. That's right. So, do you want to explain? Because like most people in our market wouldn't actually understand what blockchain is and what it does. Um, do you just a brief high overview of what what it is? So, blockchain allows for a trustless exchange on on the internet. That would be a <laughs> easy explanation. Basically, when you meet somebody on on the internet, you don't trust the person. You do not know their details. Usually, it's a nickname and that's it that's all you know and if you need to engage in some kind of exchange of value with that other person would it be you know you want to sell something or you want to enter into agreement that i will learn that skill which is a lot of value and a lot of effort and then you will hire me there's a very little trust or for example that my course is a good one and you can learn it and it will be valuable to you that's the same Problem all over again. You know, usually trust is manipulated on the internet. And blockchain allows to engage in a trustless system because it's not humans who supervise the interaction. It's protocols, you know, the hard engineered protocols, if this, then that, that govern the interactions. And what we need to do is to create protocols that are suitable for, you know, let's say a few standard types of exchanges between people. So for example, in learning that I want to learn something that would grant me a job. So we can design such a protocol. Because if you look at, you know, universities globally, will you get a job if you learn that degree? You are not guaranteed. And actually universities have incentives to sell more courses that sell well, but do not necessarily have good employment prospects. You know, so incentives are not aligned. 
And with blockchain protocols, we can align incentives at the most granular level. There's a person, educator, and employer. And that's much better way of organizing an ecosystem than top down. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, and this is one of the things I explored for my master's project, was if your qualification or your certificate's on the blockchain and you're talking about, you know, if when you go start going business to business and, and businesses start using your platform, when they start using your platform to host their content, someone who does that, that works for that company today, takes their learning record with them. So it doesn't get stuck in a traditional LMS. So how do I know what I did 20 years ago and what what I did? If it's on the blockchain, you've got a lifelong learning record. Mm-hmm. And I think that's brilliant as well. So there's so much. And where I got started with LMS on the blockchain to find you was, imagine if you could, and particularly this is like compliance training or internal training, imagine if you paid people cryptocurrency for learning. And because now there's cryptocurrency that's backed by fiat or real money that can also be attached to Visa debit cards, people could be learning, earn cryptocurrency, have a Visa debit, take it out of their money machine or go down to the local store and buy. So to me, there's just this massive future of blockchain and learning on the blockchain. This is actually what what we have implemented with scholarships because scholarships grant not only access to the course, but we also pay people the usual hourly rate prevalent in that country uh, the people are. So for example, a scholarship for you for an eight-hour course probably would be I don't know, $100 or $200 plus, you know, course fee, which is $10, let's say a cheap course. So you would request a scholarship of $210. And then that reward you would get only if you complete a course within one month. This is how the scholarships work right now on Bidegree. And I totally agree with you about, you know, those stable uh, coins, because uh, right now we have used the Bitdegree token, uh, which is uh, volatile. And volatility is one of the issues uh, that we have to address. And stable coins would solve that. But also stable coin is recognized more of a fiat currency than a cryptocurrency. And there are some legal problems with that. So we are thinking mm. about it. Mm. And our mission at Bitdegree is not to invent a new blockchain or improve blockchain, actually. Our mission is to apply it to the learning economy properly. So our approach right now is to integrate blockchain wherever it is feasible and implement all the newest things in blockchain into our platform. But it has to be dictated by user adoption. Because Mm. what we have learned early on is that you put blockchain first, then no learning will happen because the average learner does not understand it. Therefore, it means that it has blockchain has to get much more mainstream until we will be able to fully exploit the benefits of it. So our approach right now for the long term is to integrate it slowly. Eventually, we want to have this full token economy or full uh, cryptocurrency economy on Bitdegree and have this everything fully decentralized. But for that, we need a few more, three things. We need larger economy on the platform on Bitdegree so that there would be economic incentives for people to participate. Mm -hmm. We need better blockchain technologies Mm -hmm. um, and they're improving rapidly. And thirdly, we need larger user adoption of blockchain. Mm -hmm. 
So before that happens, we cannot really see a truly global domineering, let's say, blockchain learning platform or blockchain learning protocol. But we are confident that in 10 years uh, it will happen. I do not know whether it will happen sooner or later, but it just does make sense. And with COVID, we can see that people start working from home. They're more in the internet, not in schools or universities among those walls. And everything is accelerating. So I'm happy about that. Mm -hmm. And you're completely right about this track record. Actually, I'll tell you a secret. That's my trillion dollar idea. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if if people could truly store all of their learning efforts, uh, an index of their learning efforts, that's a huge value for, for the learner and for anyone else who wants to access that data. And with blockchain, you can have uh, permissions that uh, allow a fair exchange of this data. And secondly, you know, you can add a few more layers to that. You know, one thing is to what have you attempted to learn and then have all the contents about that. But a second layer would be what have you mastered at that time and what competences do you still have and what do you have to refresh so on a mega scale that would be very powerful and i think that that could be a trillion dollar company in 20 years time yeah but how to get there it's a challenge if anyone wants to help (laughs) me with that uh, you know the help is welcome (laughs) Well, when we say goodbye, I'll I'll introduce you to a company in America who are doing something quite similar to what you've just explained. So you could maybe do a trillion idea together. (laughs) Is it called Learning Economy? Oh, yes. Yes. Do you know them? Of course I know. This this, uh, blockchain in education space is very small. And we more or less know everyone who is doing something about that. And I see that uh, learning economy is also uh, struggling, you know, although I think, you know, startup world, I think looks very nice from the outset. But if you look inside, then you understand it, you know, it's it's difficult to get that adoption. And yeah. everyone is looking for the hack that, that would have the biggest growth for them in the shortest amount of time. And this is the way to go forward. So yeah. with, with learning economy, they're kind of launching some revolutionary projects, but at the same time, they rely on government funding to do that and uh, some strings attached with that. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah, so interesting. So would you look at being part of that project or the part, being part of your project? Is there a collaboration there? I would say we are doing the same thing and it would make sense to collaborate but it's hard to say who has more of what right now. You know, <laughs> neither of us, to be honest, is tremendously successful. And we kind of say that we need to work with them. We need to integrate with them because it makes sense. No, at, at this point, it doesn't. The field is so nascent uh, that um, everyone is at, at the start line right now. And it, it just gives me also hope <laughs> that uh, everything is still is still possible because if you for example look at google or facebook you know the game is over there <laughs> you know, there's one uh, dominant player and we'll see what what happens with, with the blockchain space maybe you know governments will, will win this race by creating credentials on blockchain for the entire country or for the entire european union there are plans like that 
But then again, you you look at what we have done, and it's pretty basic. And you know, we had it you know years ago, and they're still planning to oh. you know create it. But they have the power to make mass adoption, and we do not have it without creating an economy. So we are solving a few challenges at once, and for them, it's just you know, let's say all European Union has to use those uh, you know blockchain credentials. Boom, it happens. <laughs> but for us, it would be only better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting topic there. Well, look, that's fantastic. Uh, probably the only other thing I want to do, and of course, this hasn't, and the same with any podcast, there's value in going with the conversation, not the questions. The only other thing I want to talk about is personalized, because a lot of current traditional LMSs don't have personalized learning. And I noticed when I looked at your site today, that personalization, is that something new you've added? Tell us a bit about how you personalize the learning. Is it on the Myers-Briggs assessment part of it? How are you doing that? So that assessment is one thing. Then, of course, we have this, you know, for some people, we would call it AI. <laughs> for for yes. others, it's just, just a bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's like a virtual assistant for learning, but it acts more like a bot right now. So it's not too smart, but but it helps. Uh, I would say we have it, what, 90% of those, let's say, personalized learning uh, systems have it. But we have recently launched a project with the University of Tartu Education Technologies Lab, where we will dive into the course level, into how the course has to be designed in order to improve uh, learning outcomes. And there we will build an open learner model. An open learner model usually shows feedback to the learner and to instructor, of course, on how well the learner is progressing. And based on that open learner model, we will also create a personalized recommendations engine that will be able to predict uh, difficulties in learning and then either notify the, uh, let's say, the instructor or teaching assistant or uh, recommend some interventions for the learner himself or herself. And large part of that uh, will be uh, self-regulated learning principles because we actually think that the major determinant of learning success is self-regulation skills. I mean, how do you plan your learning and how do you adhere to the learning plan and how do you take remedial actions if you fall off that plan? So we will create the methodology. And to our knowledge, this is like, you know, the first in the world, such, uh, let's say, open learner model with self-regulated learning that uh, will be created. So our scientific partners are really strong in this field and have done an overview of all those models in 2020, in the beginning of 2020. So therefore, we really think that we are building something really new. And based on that, those models, we will be able to create a course builder that any educator will be able to use. Because right now, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of instructors or, or professors face the challenge of creating online courses. And there's al almost no guidance or no guidance that is scientifically valid. Maybe some of those, you know, guides are empirically vetted but we are coming with this scientific approach to this question. And we think that we'll be able to build a model that can 
build better online courses. And by that, I do not mean, you know, how to create a nice pictures. It doesn't matter that much. It's only mm -hmm. one out of four things, you know, cognition, metacognition, emotion, and motivation. You know, those are mm -hmm. four, four elements of this open learner model. And we need to address all of them. So this is where personalization will happen and we'll be able to check individual learner progress. We'll be able to show that progress to the, the learner and help him or her to adjust their learning process so that the outcomes would be successful and the learning experience satisfactory. Fantastic. So this is like the true future of what the LMS is going to be. And it's not even LMS anymore. It's what is it? It's the true future of learning online is going to be. So I think that's really awesome. Thank you. So do you have any, besides um, this me crazy woman talk, like stalking your team, do you have any sort of connections down this way? Is New Zealand, Australia, talking to anyone? No, you're not talking and actually... Except your friend at university who's an ultramarathon runner like you. Is that, was that, that yeah. was what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, we do not have any, any connection to Australia or New Zealand. To be honest, as a startup, we are overwhelmed. You know, they have so many opportunities, so many things to do, like each individual product we could push. It's really hard to focus and to find this, uh, let's say, this help and support that would really lead you forward. Of course, mm -hmm. I want to come to New Zealand and run all those trails <laughs> and, and, and help uh, local businesses. So maybe our ask would be if we are looking for partners who would really be interested in piloting the solutions. We are giving it away for, for free, but we need to co-create and not to create solutions ourselves and then, then see whether they fit somewhere. This is where we need help. And at least in our region, it's it's hard to find uh, you know organizations with that mentality. Yeah. But also another thing is that we need large enough ecosystems of learners in order to to do those pilots because we already have uh, small communities of learners coming from those SMEs or those that that we get ourselves. But now we need a committed partner who has a a community of learners, and then we can adapt that ecosystem of tools that we have and see how it works. This is what would help us a lot. Mm -hmm. We almost had it in the beginning of the year with uh, some huge organizations from Middle East, but then COVID has ruined yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we are looking forward. That sounds great. Excellent. And how can people get hold of you? I know LinkedIn. And we'll put your, yeah, we'll put your LinkedIn, LinkedIn works. Daniela Stisulis. <laughs> yes. We'll put it in the show notes so that we've we've yeah. got. And we're talking about how we say your name, but I did say Dan at the beginning. Dan, Dan is fine. Or you can always email hello at bidagree.org and just mention something about the podcast and then uh, <laughs> you're all you. ears. Gina yeah. will send it to you. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much. This has been just fantastic in terms of seeing the future of what this is going to be. So, and good luck with all your plans and, and adventures that you're going to have. Thank you. I think it's hard to say what we will achieve in a year or two, but it's much easier to say that it will happen, you know, what, what we are talking about in a decade. Or more and we are here to stay yeah good thank you lovely chatting thank you bye bye if you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers you can contact me on linkedin or facebook or find the links in the show notes below keep on smiling